Good evening, everyone. I'm broadcasting live. April 24th, 2016. Today's quote is part of a famous story uh, about a monk who had dysentery. And uh, if you read this, hey, the Buddha asks him, why, why, why aren't the other monks looking after you? And he says, because I'm not useful to them. I'm of no use to them. And then he goes and asks the, the, the monks, and the monks say, and he said, why, why didn't you look after him? And they confirm it's because he's no use to them. Atipana bhikkave dasabhikkuno upattha koti. Is there any monk who's looking after him? Nati bhagava. No, there is no such person. Kisatang bhikkuna upattenti. For what reason do the bhikkhus not look after? Do not look after this monk. Eso bhanti bhante bhikkhu. Bhikkhunang akarako. Akarako means he does nothing for them. Not quite sure what that means. Bhikkhu, bhikkhunang for the bhikkhus akarako. Means he doesn't do things for the bhikkhus. Tenatang bhikkhuna upatinti. For that reason, because of that, they don't look after him. And the Buddha says something. Nati wo bhikkave mata. There is no, you have no mother, monks. Nati pita, you have no father. Ye wo upartha heyung, who would, who would look after you? Tum he te bhikkave anyamanyang na patha. Upatahisata atako charahi upatahisati atako charahi charahi what is charahi ko charahi now oh, I've never seen that before if you don't look after each other monks Anyamanyang, one of one to the other, each other. Atako charahi. Then who now will look after you? Then he says something that's quite famous. Yo bikkave mang upatahiya, sogilanang upatahiya. Who would look after me? Should look after sick people. It doesn't actually say monks, but that's the implication here. And people, many would argue that that's what it means. But it's been used to interpret the importance of looking after sick people. I think that's stretching. It's probably more like, because monks aren't really allowed to look after lay people who are sick. That wouldn't be appropriate. But uh, 
it's interesting if you think of it as a lay person, if you're not a, a monk, I think about the idea of helping sick people. It's, very, it's a very important thing. The Buddha actually found this to be important for the monks at least, if not for uh, general purposes or, or in, in, a, in society looking after sick people in general. But um, what's of most interest to me is the part where he says, Nati mata. you don't have a mother or a father who would look after you. He's making a very good point here, and I think it goes beyond monasticism. Obviously for monks it's an important point, is that we don't have family, we don't have caretakers. If we don't look after each other, who will look after us? But I think on a broader uh, broader level, this uh, applies to Buddhists in general. In Thailand, they talk about nyati dhamma, dhamma nyati, uh, relatives by the dhamma, sisters and brothers and mothers and fathers in the dhamma. Because Beyond uh, monastics, it's true that especially when you get on a spiritual path, when you start to practice Buddhism, you're less and less able to rely upon your families and the people around you who are not Buddhist or not practicing. Even in Buddhist countries, if your family is not meditating, in Buddhist countries they drink alcohol, they uh, kill, they lie, they cheat, all these things. It's because someone calls themselves even Buddhist. But much, much more for those of us who have become Buddhist or come to practice Buddhism, um, maybe against the uh, hopes of our family, maybe against their wishes, um, but certainly we, we, we leave them behind. We, we, we go somewhere that they don't follow. So we, in a sense, we leave them behind, meaning they're in one place, we're in another, spiritually. So we stop killing, they still kill. We stop stealing. Maybe they, they don't concern themselves about morality. They have no concentration. They don't use use they don't cultivate wisdom they don't have the same understanding what we would call wisdom it's interesting because um, last night I just got back from New York but last night um, yesterday was my mother's birthday and so we had a uh, we had a hangout we had one of these, basically what I'm doing now, not not live, of course, or not not public, but we got together from all around the world. My brother's in Taiwan. My other two brothers are in, well, they were actually with my father. So I think there were only, well, they were with my father, and then my mother's in Florida, and I was in New York. So uh, four different places, yeah. And uh, so we got together, 
and we, we, we joined the hangout and it was actually somewhat um, disappointing if you're going to let yourself get disappointed. I mean, what is the right word? It was, it was um, awkward, maybe. Um, for a couple, you know, because of the, one of the members of the, the hangout was clearly drunk. And because it was Passover last night, if you know the Jewish holiday, my father's family is Jewish, and uh, on Passover they drink a lot of wine. And get can get somewhat drunk, and so at least one person, if not more, was was somewhat inebri inebriated and slurring their words, and um, so the the conversation quickly turned to things like alcohol and marijuana, and they're talking about how uh, I mean. Um, <laughs> I was quiet through most of it. My mother's really great. She doesn't. Uh, she doesn't do any of that. I think she smokes some marijuana. She used to anyway, but she really gave up alcohol, and and she she's interested in a clear mind. I, th I mean, I think she doesn't drink. Um, but then, my brother uh, in Taiwan, he he started talking about this something hairier, this hairier group, and they'd play this game where one, I wasn't listening really, but I was listening to the part where at the end of the game, they uh, come together and they have a champagne breakfast, I think it was called, and he was showing pictures of uh, case, like crate, no, uh, coolers full, large coolers full of champagne, and whiskey and beer and every kind of alcohol, and he said he drank for 20 hours straight. 20 hours. And he said, you know, I don't want to talk about it because it sounds like I'm bragging. And the rest of us were kind of, well, you know. But then he started saying something that's really interesting. I mean, well, there's a point why I'm telling this and why I'm talking about things that probably I shouldn't. This isn't the kind of thing you should really broadcast. But, you know, we take this, I'm not not really criticizing, I'm looking at the state of people. And, uh, it's interesting because then he went on about um, how, how uh, much better it is, this kind of a life, how, how much healthier it is, and how he looks at people, the rest of us back, or people back in Canada, all of his friends and their hair is turning gray and they look old and and it's because they're they're you know serious they're too serious they take things too seriously and and i mean it was quite clear that drinking for 20 hours was somehow um somehow the fountain of youth or something you know? uh, living in in taiwan Oh, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't mean to bring my brother into this really, but it's such a good example because we think like this. We think of, uh, we think happiness leads to happiness. It's, it, I mean, it sounded so much like the angels, how angels think of heaven. 
you know, they think that it's um, it's the good life. They've 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 won. They think they've won. They've beaten samsara and they found the right way to live. They've earned it and they've uh, found the right path and they're doing the right thing when in fact they're doing nothing. Like Visaka said, they're 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 eating their they're eating stale food. It means is they're eating that they're they're um, eating up their using up their good karma from the past. We all have this potential in life, right? We have the potential to use up, to use this great opportunity we have as human beings. We have such power. We can do so many things as humans. And people say, well, what's so great about being a human? Humans can be horrible people. I was just reading about the, some of the things that uh, have gone on, like in South and Central America, the dictatorships that were you know, set up by the CIA or whatever, I don't, I, mean, I don't know, but these dictatorships, there was um, this, they had, they, they, they had this prison in an auditorium, in a stadium, and they sat all the prisoners in the crowds, and then they just like opened fire on them, shot them with, with machine guns, but that wasn't it. It went like they would drag every so often they would drag someone down from the stands and like torture them in front of everyone, like theater. And uh, at one point, um, human beings can do terrible things. And so we have this power. We have the power to live a hedonistic lifestyle, to you know, just enjoy as much pleasure as we can to not take anything seriously. And no matter what we do, it appears that we get away with it. Maybe for the most part, not always, but much of the time for many of the people in this world, it appears that we get away with whatever we do. Um, but it's, it's quite lazy to think like that. Like take alcohol, for example. Someone who says, look at alcohol, you know, drink, eat, drink and be merry and I'm, you know, it's, it's the good way to live. Look at me, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, this anecdotal evidence, like, look at how great I am and I'm, I'm doing this. There was a funny story a monk once told me, or I overheard him telling someone else. Uh, this man walked in, you know, wrinkled, um, sort of... Uh, with a with a pockmarked face and looked to be like a uh, you know just just really aged you know like and uh, you know this man sort of walked in and but he was he was he had bright eyes you know he he looked he looked ancient but uh, he had some some radiance about him and he started talking about how you know he's never been in the hospital and and. Uh, He's never been sick. In all his his life, he's never um, had any serious uh, health issues. And and the young, these young men they were asking him, "Oh, well, how do you, what do you do?" And he says, "Oh, I drink a, uh, I drink a bottle of whiskey every day, smoke a carton of cigarettes, and 
and another carton of say a pack of cigarettes a day and a bottle of whiskey and and on and on and I just sit around and do nothing and they're like wow and that works yeah it works so far it works for me and you know. and then they then someone asked him how old are you and he said 25 They said the, the joke um, you know, sets him up to seem like he's very old, like this old guy is bragging about how his whole life. Turns out he's a young guy who's, who's you know, looks very old because, of, anyway, it's just a silly joke. But, um, you know, there's studies on alcohol, what it does to the brain. As I, as I understand, it's not good for the brain. It causes long-term brain damage. I mean, not not severe brain damage, but it reduces your brain capacity, as does marijuana, according to this study. But moreover, happiness doesn't lead to happiness. You know, uh, anybody can can be anybody can be happy when things are good as long as they have the ability to uh, enjoy that that's not how you that's not how you measure someone's uh, greatness you don't measure someone's greatness by how good they are at enjoying pleasure you measure someone's greatness at how good they are at um, bearing with adversity right when the going gets tough that's when you know the character of a person you can't say, wow, that guy sure knows how to have fun. Well, it's not that hard to have. Okay, yes, it's true. Some people don't know how to have fun, and you could argue that. But it's uh, it's much easier when you're in your comfort zone. So if someone is good at having fun, well, yes, drinking 20 hours a day, that is impressive, I'll admit. It's a skill that you've developed. But let's let's see what happens. You know, as as a result of developing that skill and that ability, let's see what happens when uh, you're placed in in a situation uh, that that is challenging to you. I mean, does this behavior uh, increase your ability to deal with challenges? If suddenly the country that you're in becomes a, a fascist dictatorship and they start to torture people, and you are being tortured, how do you react? How do you bear with it? This um, this story of this this auditorium or this this um, stadium, there was a guy, one of the leaders. He was a musician, I think, and he was leading people in chanting the anthem. The, the national anthem or something and so they called him down and they asked him to sing and so he started singing and then they they strapped him to this table and they smashed his fingers uh, he was playing a guitar they got him to play the guitar and then they smashed his fingers or like cut them off cut off his fingers or something like that cut off his fingers and then smashed his hands to a bloody pulp they did this. This happened apparently, and then they said, "Now you, now sing, now play your guitar." And so he stood up, and he turned to the crowd, 
to the other prisoners in the in the in the stadium, and he led them he led them in an anthem or something like that. I mean, it's an interesting story because of how he dealt with the adversity. I mean, yeah, okay, singing is not such a noble thing in in our books, but the nobility of being able to deal with adversity. We have to. I mean, it's. I'm not saying what is it that leads to the ability to deal with adversity, but that's the question. What is it that leads to adversity? If you believe that uh, the ability, you know, the, the skill of being able to drink a lot helps you deal with adversity, that's one theory. Um, but we can't say what the future is going to bring. And certainly in Cambodia, for example, before the Pol Pot massacre, uh, you know, people were living good. There were probably a lot of people who were saying, oh, look, life is good, everything's great. Uh, eat, drink, and be merry. That doesn't help you. I mean, I would argue it probably doesn't do much to prepare you for being tortured. And it's an extreme example, but examples abound. Suppose you get cancer. Is... is the ability to enjoy pleasure going to help you with that? So if you, if you begin to practice meditation, you start to see the benefits in this way. You can reflect on this as a sort of benefit. Wow, you know, I'm really able to deal with things that I wouldn't have been able to deal with before. That's really something quite obvious in the meditation practice. You learn, you, you see your reactions, and you learn how to avoid those, how to navigate an experience carefully without reacting. To be careful, to be conscien conscientious. Anyway, that, that's a bit of a tangent, but my point being there, um, in many ways, we are a family, you know? meditators, Buddhists. In many ways, we are the ones that care for each other. We are the ones that, uh, it, it's each and every one of us, anyamanyang, for each other, who, uh, who, is, who is a support to each other, who we, should, who we would do well to look to for support. I mean, I can't look to my family so much for support, I can't even visit with them half the time because they're drinking alcohol or, or, you know. But I know when I'm with meditators, I, you know, when I was in New York at the monastery, I knew it was all good. I knew I was around people who I could trust, who I could uh, count on. Who I could relate to who I could sit with, be with, and not feel um, the, the impetus to leave, <laughs> feeling awkward like everyone around me is drunk kind of thing. Everyone around me is lost, or it's on a different path. I mean, I'm not putting ourselves above anyone, but on different paths. So, um, you know, on that note, I'd really like to thank everyone for all of the support. You know, we have this house, and 
I'm able to live because people are supporting me. And that's many of you. And I'd like to thank you. And also appreciate the meditation, the amount of meditation and the number of people involved with this community who are practicing meditation. It's, it's another wonderful support because it means there's all these people who we can relate to. We have each other and we can relate to each other and we can talk with each other and encourage each other and push each other further on the path. Push each other to meditate and to cultivate good things. So we care for each other and true, true, this is true family. We don't depend on our father and mother. We don't depend on our brothers and sisters. In, 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 in spiritual matters, right? In important matters. In many ways we can't depend on them because they just end up leading us down the wrong path because they don't, well, they, their understanding is, it, yes, we would say wrong, but at the very least their understanding is different from ours. And so it would be conflicting for us to depend too much upon our family, right? If we have a problem, what do we do? We'll buy a big bag of pot and smoke it all. That's what they were talking about on this hangout. They got to find a way, and they're talking about how to find a pot dealer where they can get a big bag of pot. This is my family, you know? So this, um, this quote is somewhat apropos to my life. I mean, in that that part of it is. Is anybody here? Anybody have any questions? I'll take text questions if you got them. Twenty-four viewers on YouTube. Hello, everyone. Somebody's watching, and we got a bunch of people on our meditation page. We got the usual suspects. So, uh, Robin, are we going to do some some sort of? Are we going to give people the opportunity, not not obviously pushing for it, but give people the opportunity if they want to. Uh, offer a robe to Ajahn Tong, like join us. Uh, because there was, uh, I think, Aurora, I, I think, I, wait, someone anyway, someone was interested in offering a robe, set of robes to Ajahn Tong. Uh, and, and because it's no, it's, it does, it's, I think it's quite easy for us to add sets of robes to our order, but um, it's just a matter of giving people the opportunity if they want. Not, we're not coercion, it's not like trying to push people to say this is a good thing. It's a, some people really would be keen to do that, I think, what I understand. Um, I mean, I don't like to put pressure and make people think like, oh, that's what we're all about is soliciting donations. We're not. But uh, we are about giving, and we like to give. So, 
If you want to give with us, you're welcome to give with us. Yeah, we could, uh, you know, who knows if people want. See, the thing is, um, there was some people supported me to get a ticket, um, but there was lots of support. So I thought, well, we can get a gift for Ajahn Tong as well. Because that's, you know, important. And we thought about what kind of gifts, and I thought robes. Robes are the best, because robes sim symbolize monasticism. So if you are interested in the idea of becoming a monk, or if you want to be close to the monastic life, the, the, the ascetic or renunciant life, uh, robes are a really good symbolic gift and practical gift as well, because you're actually helping to clothe Buddhist monks. Awesome. So there's still time. We can set up a, a campaign. I mean, make it clear that this is, well, I mean, it is pretty clear. But we just have to, we don't want it to sound like we're looking for money or something. I don't think we should make a big deal out of it. I don't want, we've got, um, we had a couple of other crowds funding things. This is just if there was someone out there. We're doing it already, so we can always add a robe, a set of robes if someone happened to want to do that. Okay, well, let me know how, what, uh, if, if, you can work something out there. Awesome. Thank you. Tomorrow. Okay. So we'll talk about that. Um, you can come on the Hangout tomorrow then. Talk about it, maybe. Anyway, we'll say goodnight for tonight then. No questions. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Wishing you all the best. still alive.